0: Welcome to Ink Drinkers, a literary tea party podcast where we discuss books and drink tea.
1: I just got excited because I was looking at the, um... Do you get the 225 Magazine daily emails? No, I don't think so. Um, Well, I do. And uh, I was looking through today's email and it said, let me get back to the title. An ambitious concept for Gonzales, Inside Library Wine and Provisions. You saw that?
0: Yeah, so that um, is at the front of the neighborhood I used to manage. Oh, okay. Conway in Gonzales. Gotcha. So they were always planning to have some type of um, restaurant there, but it was going to be Poor, which is like a Lafayette-based restaurant that's really cool, but um, I think management changed hands and- one of the builders who builds in that development who I used to work with directly, he decided to go into the restaurant okay. business and um, open this restaurant. And it looks really cool.
1: It does look really cool, but <laughs> I got excited because I saw the name Library Wine yeah. and Provision and I was like, wait, is this a restaurant that has to do with books? What's going on? And I was really excited, but it it's really- It's really not. It doesn't have anything to do with books. It's literary
0: it's- in nature. Like I think some of their drinks have literary names, but it's more like a kind of um, a-, a Dark, nor type feel. I think there's like some Edgar Allan Poe photos. Like, I think that they have like big paintings of literary figures in history. Oh, okay. And I think it's themed well, around. It that,
1: says but. he landed on the name mm-hmm. as a nod to the book size list of wines the spot offers. Ah. It says if you're offering a lot of wine, you have a wine library. It, ah. it sounded fun to say with your friends, hey, let's go to the library instead of something like the Whatchamacallit Grill or something like that. So I, I yeah, I don't, the only picture I can see is, um, I mean, they, they made their bar to like look like a library. Yeah, it does. Case, and they but, do
0: have other photos on, because it came out on a couple different, I think it was in, um, oh, what is it? Not 225, but um, there's something else that goes every day that I get updates about. I can't remember. Baton Rouge business report. Baton Rouge business report. Oh
1: so yeah. I haven't been keeping up with yeah, yeah, all yeah. my stuff. I just happened to open this email yeah, and I was, was like library what? But,
0: but they had other photos and it was very much, it kind of has like a speakeasy feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like a 1920s velvet yeah. dark kind of yeah. feel to it. Um, but yeah, I didn't think based on what I read, I didn't see the thing about the, the wine library thing, but it didn't look like it was book. Like, seriously book-themed.
1: Yeah. It, the article said he, like, went in a Facebook group for wine lovers and, like, put a list of 50 different potential names for his restaurant. And, like, that's what everybody voted oh, on. Oh, very library, cool.
0: So. Um, his wife actually owns, um, I don't remember the name of the store, but she does, like, the, the t- Louisiana-based t-shirts. She works out of Electric Depot in town, if people who oh, are okay. local. Um, she has a little, She's not a little, like it's a pretty big t-shirt store and I think she ships all around the country and That's stuff. She cool. does a lot of game day shirts and yeah. a lot of Louisiana inspired type shirts and, um, they sell like some cool gifts and stuff like that.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. Hmm. We'll have to go check out that, um, place. Yeah. Let's do that. That'd be fun. Let's record an episode there. <laughs> Just kidding.
0: He may let us. Like, I think I have his cell number. <laughs> can text
1: him. I mean, we could go like during the day when nobody's yeah. there. Um, for what purpose? I don't know. But anyway.
0: (laughs) We could do a wine pairing instead of a tea pairing and have them pick
1: out a a a wine based on our book descriptions. Mm -hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's make this happen. Okay. In the meantime, let me tell you about a very noir type book uh, that I read recently. Tell me about it. It's called Once Upon a River by Diane Setterfeld. So I had read the 13th tale by Diane Setterfeld, which is the book that made me not like the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo because it was so similar. Um, but I had never read anything else by her. And this is, I think her most recent work. It came out in 2018. Um, it actually came out in December, 2018, which is important because I wanted to say that it feels like a very wintry book. Okay. Like if you are looking for a specific season sure. to read yeah. this book in, like definitely do winter. because okay. it, it has a very strong wintry feel. Um, so it takes place in England along the River Thames, um, and the setting, like the year, maybe they said, maybe they didn't, but it feels to me like, I don't know, maybe 16, 17, 1800, something like that. Like it's definitely way in the past. It's not anywhere near current day. Um and so in this small little town, they have uh, like the local tavern is called the Swan and everybody's hanging out at the Swan and um, this guy comes and he's carrying a little girl. And, um, like they're both all wet and soaked and he's clearly hurt and, uh, he gets there and he's got the little girl and then, uh, he, I think collapses. And so they can't, they don't know who he is. They don't know who this little girl is. They don't know where they came from, what's going on. He's passed out. So they can't ask him any questions. And, um, there, there happens to be like a nurse basically at the bar. And so she goes to tend to both of them. And they find out that the little girl is, is dead. So the little girl's died. The man is passed out. Nobody knows who either of them are until the little girl mysteriously wakes up. hmm. Okay. <laughs> so we have this little girl. So was she not dead or was she dead? Well, okay. okay. I don't know. It's part of the story. Was she- Wait,
0: what genre is this? this is this historical?
1: It, no, it's fantasy, but. Okay, with a historic. But it's it's,
0: but it's based in like 1800s. Yeah, like. okay. Yeah, yeah. But okay. it's
1: fantasy. Okay. So this little girl, was she dead? Was she just like. I mean, it's winter. So the river is freezing. Was, you know, maybe her heart just kind of like stopped temporarily because of the cold water? I, you know, I don't know. Okay. I do. Yeah. But um, that's part of the mystery of the story. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm eventually the guy wakes up so they find out who he is okay but they still don't know who the little girl and he is. doesn't know who
0: she is either. he doesn't know who she okay. is okay
1: but he feels some sort of attachment to her he can't explain he jumped it. in to get her i guess he like yeah i guess he jumped in to get her he feels some sort of attachment to her but everybody kind of feels this attachment to her there's just something about this little girl okay and the little girl is maybe about four years old that's their be- their best guess So we had this wealthier couple who about two years ago, their daughter was kidnapped. She was a little blonde girl and they paid ransom money and they never got their daughter back. And um, it just so happens that the little girl that was pulled from the river looks very similar to the girl that was kidnapped. Same age? Same age, same everything. Does she belong to this couple?
0: And she doesn't, she can't tell them who she is
1: she won't speak. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of important, isn't it? Yeah. She doesn't speak. Okay. So then, uh, also by happenstance, this, um, farmer finds a note that's been all torn up and it was in like his son's pocket or something like that. And he pieces the note together and he hasn't seen his son in a few years. His son is a bad guy he's moved away hasn't seen him in years but from this note he pieces together that his son had a daughter and so he's like whoa what's going on where's the daughter where's my son all this kind of stuff so he goes on a journey to find his son and his granddaughter and he ends up at the swan at the tavern where this little girl who was pulled from the river nobody a knows a who a she is
0: stretch but Okay,
1: is this his the, granddaughter?
0: The son kidnapped the daughter of the wealthy people, and this is. And he claimed that she was his daughter, and now that man.
1: Mm, okay. well, well, I don't know. See. We'll see. So then we also have uh, this lady who's the housekeeper for the parson in town, and she is insistent. Mind you, she's a little bit older. Probably, I think in her 30s or 40s, but she is insistent that this little girl that was pulled from the river, that nobody knows who she is, she's insistent that this is her sister. Okay. okay. So we have, the, we have these three families or groups of people or people who could all potentially lay a claim to this little girl but nobody knows for sure who she is, where she came from, why she won't speak, how she was dead, and then alive. Mm-hmm. So we follow kind of... The paper trail. Well, yeah, a little bit. We follow the trail. We follow the these three Story separate lines. groups mm-hmm. to see, could it be their daughter? Could it be his daughter? Could it be her sister?
0: Can you say if, like, one of them is accurate?
1: I can't say. Okay. Um... There's a little bit of like magical realism to it because I mean, this girl was like dead and now she's alive, and it all has a very um, it's called Once Upon a River because story is very important to the story. Like, they love to tell stories at the tavern, there's a big deal with story time, and they and so when this girl comes in, they all have this crazy, weird story to tell, and so it's all very mysterious and just kind of like. Old And um, hmm. it has this kind of like dark feel to it. But the story itself, the way it was written, it was absolutely incredible. Like I – it's been a long time since I've read something that was just written this well. Hmm.
0: Okay. It it's was, already intriguing. So now it's good <laughs> writing too. I want to know. I want to know who she is.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, um, the conclusion is – it's good. It's good, and it's okay. interesting, and we kind of get to go on little like side stories and inside, I don't know, jaunts throughout the book because we've got the farmer. We've also we're also trying to figure out what's going on with his son. His son's doing some nefarious stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got the housekeeper. She lives with her brother, who's terrible to her. Um, we've got the wealthy family. Who I, I feel like I can tell you they initially take in the little girl. Like everyone kind of decides this this has to be their daughter. Sure. Um so they're they've taken her in trying to get her to speak and see who she is and, you know, make sure it's her daughter, I guess. Um, but uh and then we've got the lady that owns the tavern, Margot, and her family, like her husband is ill and so she's handling the tavern on her own. She has daughters, she has um, a son who is like special needs, essentially, and then the guy who was pulled out of the lake, and the nurse, and the, I mean, there's just all these storylines that that are all told separately, but kind of but it wasn't confusing. At the same time it was never confusing. Okay, I'm I was just blown away by how well done it was and how incredible, like that someone came up with this story. It was very impressive. Okay,
0: well I'm, this is I'm totally reading this. Okay,
1: good. Because I need
0: to know. I need to know now.
1: <laughs> who is she? It is a long book, I will say that. It was many hours, and I kind of – oh, and it's narrated by Juliette Stevenson, who is this British narrator who's just really, really fabulous. Like, if if you've never listened to anything by her, you're going to love her. She's wonderful. But – so the narration is amazing. The writing is amazing. The story is amazing. It's all really fabulous. But I kind of tried to force it, like – I don't know – it really wasn't working for me at first because no books were working, but mm-hmm. I tried to make it work, and I wish I hadn't because I think I would have enjoyed it even more if mm-hmm. I had waited until the right time. Right. But that said, like, for me to have not been in the right headspace and still given it five stars, you know, that's got to say something about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So. Very cool. Definitely read it. I can't wait to hear what you think about it.
0: <laughs> I am definitely going to read it. That sounds straight up like something that I, I have to i have to know i have to know jamie i gotta know
1: i think it, the audiobook was like 26 hours or something crazy like that so oh, just yes. you know okay. good luck to you it's yeah. 16 sorry not 26 okay. 16 16 is it's than still 26. a lot but yeah anyway okay, okay. your turn tell you about my book yes
0: um it's called the matchmaker's gift by linda cohen logman loikman um it, this came out september of 22 Um, it is set, the beginning is set in like 1910, Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes to, not present day obviously, but, um, more, uh, it's generational. So in 1910, the main, one of the main characters, Sarah Glickman is 10 years old and, um, we see the other storyline is based on her granddaughter, Um, Abby. So it's, you know, a generation apart. We're hearing those two stories. Okay. So in 1910, Sarah Glickman, like I said, is 10 years old. And she is coming over on a boat from Europe with her family. They're Jewish. And they are making a new life in New York. Um, They are on the Lower East Side in a Jewish neighborhood. And when she is on the boat coming over... Her older sister is um, devastated that she had to leave behind this boy in their village, who she thought she was going to marry. How old is her sister? If she's ten, I think the sister's like sixteen or something like that. Okay,
1: so that's I'm, yeah. I'm thinking the older sister's like twelve or thirteen. I'm like no, 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 no. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Um,
0: and she's one of eight children. Sarah oh Glickman, goodness. So there's a lot of children. Oh
1: goodness. Yes. Um.
0: So they're coming to the, coming the U.S. To America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. (laughs) Uh, And um, while she's on the ship coming over, Hindle, her sister, is, you know, really... Hindle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hindle Glickman. Hindle
1: Glickman. Yes. All right. I like it.
0: Yeah. Um, She's obviously melancholy and sad and, um, you know, not sure what her future holds and she... Uh, Sarah happens to walk by some of the young men on board, and one of them catches her eye. He's off to the side. He's cleaning his bifocals. Um, (laughs) And she sees something strange. It's like a beam of light that comes from, like, the sky, kind of, but not where, like, the sun is. And it leads from Aaron, who she'll later find out, Aaron the man, To her sister, Hindle, who is on the other side of the boat, kind of like looking off into space in her sad state. So she sees this um, beam of light that kind of connects Aaron and her sister. And she doesn't know how, but she has this feeling that their souls are meant for each other. And she just knows that there's something there and that they are a match. Okay. She can't describe it. She kind of starts talking to this man and telling him about her sister, and she introduces them to each other, and they hit it off. And when they get to New York, um, they, within a few months, decide to marry.
1: Did I hear you correctly? That it's the man that was cleaning his bifocals. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is soulmates with the 16 year old. I mean,
0: he's also young, so like he's 18 or something i mean they're not like it's not like he's this old man and she's a child okay and she might be older i don't know how what her age range so you just mean
1: glasses not necessarily bifocals that's what i meant
0: glasses okay just sounds sorry when you
1: say bifocals i think of old person well he
0: had like (laughs) they're not like modern day glasses
1: sure okay okay (laughs) okay i'm sorry i'm sitting here imagining this like 80 year old man (laughs) preying on a 16 year old sorry no 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 okay all right i'm good now
0: he they're age appropriate
1: (laughs) great good glad
0: to hear that Um, so this sparks Sarah's, um, gift as a true soul matchmaker. So, um, she starts to see, and it's not all the time, but randomly, um, she happens to see this beam of light at random times throughout her life connecting to people. Um, sometimes she acts on it, sometimes she does not. What ends up happening is that she sees this, and so she without explaining what's happening, she will somehow have the two people engage with one another and then things just kind of take off on their own. So they are not aware that she has had a hand in anything. Or she's made comments and then, you know, they're like, what are you talking about? And then they end up doing what she says and they run into each other (laughs) because she makes it happen. Sure. Um, She lets the rabbi in her parish know, like, I don't know what happened this sounds crazy she tells him the story and he's really one of the only ones other than her parents that know this story and he believes her and he has a name for it i don't remember what the jewish word for it is but he basically says like you are a true matchmaker like it's not just a profession and you're don't like god has bestowed this gift upon you right um so he has always been in her court um There are a group of devout Jewish men who have come over from the old country and have old world views and they are matchmakers. That is what their profession is. That's what they did in their villages in Europe. But
1: they're not like true matchmakers. Yeah.
0: But this is their livelihood. Right. So when they start hearing little things about little Sarah Glickman, um, they're upset because she... Glickman. It's just
1: so fun to say. Glickman. It is very fun to say. Okay. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Because um, she's taking away their business or so they see. So they start kind of harassing this little girl and her family. Um, while this is going on, you know, her family's just like... She doesn't have paid. We're not getting paid for this. Like, what are you even talking about? She's 10 years old. Like, they know that something's happening, but they're trying to dissuade them from these threats. Well, they keep over the years thinking that something's going on, and she very um, mindfully makes sure that no one knows that things are connected to her. But she keeps these journals. And in the journals, um, she's written on every match that she's made. Go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're in present, in, in the present, um, of the book, uh, where her granddaughter Abby is a successful Manhattan divorce lawyer.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's funny.
0: Um, her parents went through a really bad divorce. And so she kind of decided that at a young age that she wanted to help people in that type of situation because her mom, she felt was really wronged in, in the situation with her dad. Um, and she wanted to give a voice and help to people who were in a tough spot. And, you know, obviously this is a very tricky and, um, sad Mm -hmm. situation that people find themselves in. So, um, she knew the stories somewhat of Sarah, her grandmother, her grandmother, when her parents divorced, moved back from Florida to live with them. Um, and so she really grew up with her grandmother since she was about 10 years old. She has a, younger sister named hannah her grandmother was always a big presence in her life at the point when she was in her life she really wasn't doing the matchmaking anymore but she would kind of hint when they were growing up at little stories about being some type of matchmaker but she didn't fully describe it to them and they really weren't paying attention to her (laughs) you know yeah um but her grandmother was her best friend and uh, they got together every sunday for lunch and we used to do
1: that with our grandmother i know
0: same situation. Her grandmother's 92 and one night she goes to sleep and she doesn't wake up. Mm. And so she's pretty devastated. Um, and her uncle um, is going through her grandmother's things in her Florida condo because she kept it. And says, hey, there's a box of journals with your name on it. And I'm going to send them to you. And she slowly starts – she thinks it's going to be, like, journals from her grandmother, and she sees, like, these random people's names with their ages and information about them, and it's the matches that her grandmother has right. made since she was 10 years old. So she starts kind of looking into this, and we hear all the storylines of what happened to Sarah in her lifetime. Not that Abby is hearing that. Right. We just, it's back and forth from Sarah's perspective and Abby's perspective. Okay. Um, yeah, it was just really – It was a lot of um, historical Jewish New York in that 1910 to 20. Like, you know, you're immersed into that life in this borough of New York um, where their lives were, you know, you're very still in your community of people. Same for Italians, same for, you know what I mean? Like, it's, they have these areas of town and those are your, those are the people that you're around. And so she grew up in this. Um, very Jewish, male-dominated world. Um, And if you are not married and you're a woman, you're not supposed to practice matchmaking in her culture. Oh, It's like a no-no. So that was another thing Hmm. that she had to kind of overcome. Um, And, you know, the other thing was that her family needed income. And so in her mind, she was like, I'm going to have to figure out a way to monetize this to help my family. Right. And I can't continue to worry about the threats of these old men, like, who don't have the gift that I have. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just really feel good and their stories were really interesting and it was really cool to see Abby learn about her grandmother in a different way and really understand the impact that she made on so many people's mm-hmm. lives. Um it was just a really, it was, I would say it was a four star just because I, in the middle I got a little, like a little bored. Yeah. But overall it was a really good story.
1: I am lately not super drawn to historical fiction. I think I just kind of got burnt out on it. Um, but I think that's because a lot of historical fiction is like World War Two. And so anytime there's a decent-sounding historical fiction that's about something other than World War II, like, I I want to read it. And
0: I will say there was aspects, like...
1: Well, yeah, I mean... Like, it, because people went part,
0: to war. Some of the men in the village went to war, and, like, her brother yes, went to war, you know.
1: But it doesn't sound like that was the main no. time period no. of the novel. So, yeah. interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. talk about the tea?
1: So I got this tea... Um, at the Novel Neighbor in St. Louis, and it's called Edith Gray. It is by Big Heart Tea Co. It is black tea infused with bergamot and rose, Um, and let's see what it says. This is an Earl Gray made for romantics. Single origin black tea is handpicked from the Satemwa family tea estate in the Shire Highlands of Malawi and transformed by an infusion of fragrant bergamot oil and delicate red rose, an epic love story in a cup. I think I don't really like rose.
0: I don't know if I fully taste rose, but I feel like it's not as smooth as I want it to be.
1: It's a little bitter, mm-hmm. and I, I just not, I'm not really a rose fan. Um, I kind of forget that sometimes. <laughs> it
0: doesn't have like a great aftertaste either. Agreed. It's not terrible. It's just not like the best Earl Grey ever by any means.
1: No. I We've definitely had much better yes. Earl Grays. But I always like to give these a try because, oh. you know, sometimes they add little twists and this one just has a twist that we don't love.
0: I agree.
1: <sighs> well, thank you for chatting books with me today.
0: I know. This was nice. I liked our historical... Um, reads although i think that your pick um was definitely more five star sounding and i'm still <laughs> thinking about what it could be and i want to read it really
1: i badly. feel like my book was so epic and and what i didn't say about it is that it has like a fairy tale feel to it mm-hmm. which obviously once upon a river sounds and i kind of love that fairy like tale, I, I
0: love all that type of yeah. that feel that fairy tale feels really cool
1: all right well it's time for you to get to reading <laughs> all right cheers cheers
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes for the full list of books we discussed today. You can find that in your podcast app
1: or on our website, inkdrinkerspodcast.com. And please support us by subscribing anywhere you listen to podcasts and leaving a review. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at inkdrinkerspod. Cheers!